the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We're going to take up a very important topic in a couple of moments. But first, Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She is a gerontologist, has a master's degree in social gerontology, and has spent a lot of years working in this field. And it's a delight, Carol, to take up a topic that we probably should talk about more, caregiver burnout. Well, caregiver burnout, um, I think we all have experienced a lot of burnout over the COVID period coming out of it. Um, you know, but I said that's every day. What we've gone through, the stress and burnout that we've gone through in the last few years is just a regular Tuesday for a caregiver. Um, but you know, it's important to know about it, to recognize it, to have something to, to do about it. And so, you know, we're thrilled to have, um, Dr. Barry Jacobs return to Caregiver SOS on air to talk about it. Well, Barry's been on a number of times, and he's a delightful guest and very knowledgeable. He's a clinical psychologist, a family therapist, and a member of AARP's Caregiving Advisory Panel. A former magazine journalist, he helped put together the first edition of the Rolling Stone Encyclopedia of Rock and Roll, a little-known fact of Barry Jacobs. Rockin' and rollin', Barry. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks so much, Ron. And uh, I, I'm hoping that that Rolling Stone credit is not is not all my claim to fame. But thanks for saying it anyway. That's not a bad credit, and I suspect people are still buying it. Uh, I, I imagine they are, though. It's probably in the fifth or sixth edition. I, I, I worked on that like 40 years ago. But what you know, rock and roll hasn't changed too much in 40 years. I don't. Well, think. it's it's the same people. I can remember saying, "Why <laughs> would you get into rock and roll? What are you going to do when you're 60?" Well, uh, apparently, when you're 80, you're still going to be rocking and rolling. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it seems still go. So talk to us, Barry. First of all, about what burnout is from a psychologist standpoint. Uh, so I'm going to give you not very official psychological definition. Burnout to me is a sense of dread. It's it's getting up in the morning and saying, oh, my Lord, I've got to do this again. I've got to help my loved one get out of bed. I've got to dress them. I've got to feed them. I've got to, you know, entertain them. I've got to take them places. And um, it's it's feeling just a lack of energy, a lack of, of, of engagement, uh, and really feeling trapped in your circumstances and unfortunately, uh, it's, it's a kind of staleness that, that predisposes caregivers to be, to becoming uh, clinically depressed. Um, and it re- really is a, it's a major hazard of, of, for caregivers who are doing this hard work day in and day out. They can burn out very easily. The problem, of course, is that when caregivers burn out, they're much more likely to be unable to continue caregiving after a while. Do you know you're burned out? Um, I don't think people realize it at first. I think it takes it take the realization hits them uh, after some time. 
uh, you know, in part, caregivers develop routines uh, to, you know, to get up at a certain time, to do certain things at certain times. The predictability helps the person they're caring for and helps them um, and it makes things more efficient. However, the routine itself leads to a, a kind of dullness that that uh, makes people burned out. And then one day they realize, oh, my Lord, I'm exhausted. I don't have any zest anymore for this. My sense of mission about this seems way in the background. I'm just dragging myself through the days. I'm burnt out. Yeah, I, I like the the thought of, uh, or the term dullness because I think that that is, it's not that we're necessarily stressed out, but the burnout reflects just the lack of interest and, and, and the joy and that, and that dull grayness uh, that goes with just can't take it anymore. Yeah, and I think grayness is a perfect uh, way of describing this. It's the, the vividness of life, the, the the sense of purpose, the joy, as you say, is 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 gone. And instead, it's just work. It's just hard work, and you're dragging yourself through it. Now, it's probably self-evident, but what's the impact on the care recipient when their caregiver is burned out? I, I think that there are several impacts. So one is um, they're not getting as good care. I mean, people who are just sort of going through the motions are not providing the same quality, same loving care. But I think when they notice that the person they're caring for is burned out, oftentimes uh, care receivers become uh, very depressed. It's like they, they don't, the last thing any care receiver wants is to be a burden to the person uh, who's caring for them. And if they see that person is burnt out, then yes, indeed, they do feel like a burden and um, it, it becomes harder for them. Well, and, and if and, you're, go ahead, go ahead. Carol. I was just going to say, yeah. It, and if we think that they don't notice, we're, we're really fooling ourselves, right? You know, caregivers tend to think, well, they're not, they don't notice me. All I, I'm a, I just do and do and do without recognizing that there, there is an energy between that relationship. It's just like a child picking up bad words the care recipient's going to know. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, human beings are very sensitive to one another and they know when it, it's no longer a, a, a kind of real vibrant, close interaction, when instead they, the care receiver feels like a sack of potatoes that the caregiver's picking up and plopping down someplace, just like they would any other, uh, any chore that they had to do. Um, it's very different uh, to feel like the, the recipient of loving care versus the recipient of, of obligated care. We'll pick the conversation up in a moment, but I want to let folks know who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. And by the way, all of our shows are available on podcast, wherever you choose to get your podcasts. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Dr. Barry Jacobs is with us, a clinical psychologist, and Dr. Jacobs has given some 600 presentations on caregiving and family caregiving, so he obviously is quite knowledgeable in this field. For the care recipient, Barry, who believes their caregiver is burned out, how do they bring it up? How do they say, hey, you know, we need to talk? I think if they have the courage and they have the awareness to actually say, you know, I'm worried about you, you're doing all this work for me, and I think we need to vary the routine a little bit, we need to maybe bring some other folks in, that would be extraordinary for a care receiver to do and probably very much appreciated by the caregiver um, but uh, I think for care receivers, it's sometimes they, they too become used to the routine and dependent upon the routine and very dependent on the caregiver. And the idea of, of bringing other people in is, is a little frightening for them. So they, they kind of cling to the caregiver, which unfortunately uh, kind of adds to the, the, the likelihood of burnout. 
So if the care recipient doesn't say anything and the caregiver is feeling this dullness, um, you know, what's the next step when you notice you're burnt out or burning out? What do we do? So what I think caregivers need to do is, as I always say, distinguish between, between means and ends. So the end here, the, the goal is is to really provide good quality care to help our the person we're caring for live as well as they possibly can. Now, the means can be multiple ways. It doesn't necessarily mean that the, the caregiver has to do it all. It means that they can use an adult daycare program. They can use home health aids. They can uh, tap other family members to step in. So long as, as they're ensuring that their their loved one is getting good care, it doesn't have to all be the same same uh, person providing that care with the same routine every day. And so varying it, uh, I think, really uh, helps a caregiver invo- uh, avoid burnout, but also it kind of makes everything a little bit different, kind of changes things up, brings um, a little bit of uh, vibrancy in, in, into into daily life. More people are coming in, more they're going to different settings. Uh, it's good for everybody involved. Now you had experience. You had experience as a caregiver for your parents, both of whom had dementia. Did you struggle with burnout at any point? I, I did, and 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 partly the burnout for me was just being uh, t- trying to do too much with in, in in too many spheres of my life. So I was trying to 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 do the, my best by my uh, mother and stepfather, as who, as you said, both had um, dementia. But I also had teenage children at the time. I was trying to be a good husband. I was trying to hold down a full time job. Um, and I was really feeling burnt out about all those, uh, those different roles. I, I was dragging myself through my days at work. I was dragging myself at home with my wife. And I wasn't really of, of much good use to anybody. And I was feeling pretty guilty that I was letting everybody down. So what did I, you do? Well, I, um, what I did really was uh, really listen to my wife, which is always uh, the best advice I could ever give anybody. My wife happens to be a clinical psychologist also, but she's also uh, the wisest person I know. And she basically said, you are just, you're not going to be able to sustain this year. You're doing way too much. She convinced me that just as I was saying to you, I can find other ways of making sure that my mother and stepfather got the care that they needed. I did not have to do it myself and that I didn't have to feel guilty about that. And that I needed to be home more with our kids. So she made me reprioritize a little bit. Yeah. And, and I was, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about giving up something to get something else. And so as caregivers, giving up that idea of perfection, giving up that we provide the best care, maybe we do, but maybe it's okay to have next to best care and let somebody else come in and help us out because we get the time. Correct. And I, th- I think you, you pointed out something really important, Carol, and that is a lot of time, a lot of times caregivers feel they have to provide the very best care, if, if not perfect care, then almost perfect care. And that um, this idea of providing just good enough care, bringing in someone else to provide care that's not going to be as good as what, what we can do ourselves is, is anathema to us. But in fact, most of the folks that we're caring for don't need perfect care. They don't even need the very best care. They need care. And um, if it helps us sustain ourselves and therefore continue to care for them by varying things and bringing other people in, then certainly we need to do that. Now, you are open to accepting your wife's advice. Uh, is that true of everyone? Um, I don't know. They accept my wife's advice all the time, but they should accept their wife's advice. So um, what I would say is, no, it's not true. I mean, a lot of times people dig their heels in and say, no, I made a promise to do this. I made a vow to myself to do this. 
and then they 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 think that they're they're doing the right thing, but in fact they're they're uh, making it harder to to sustain themselves over time. By you know, caregiving requires flexibility, creativity, uh, the uh, willingness to adapt to changing circumstances. But if you if, if you're you're sticking to your guns and just doing the same thing every day, uh, it doesn't work so well. So people have to be um, uh, ready to change, ready to listen to others, take an input, learn along the way, make some course corrections as a consequence of what they've learned. That that's how caregivers manage to get from start to finish. We'll talk more about caregiver burnout in just a moment. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel and our special guest, Dr. Barry Jacobs. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. so much appreciate you sticking with us here on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. We're talking with Barry Jacobs, clinical psychologist about caregiver burnout. And Barry, you were telling me uh, off the air that it's often difficult for people to accept help. It's extremely difficult for people to accept help. It makes them feel guilty. It makes them feel like they're falling down on the job. It makes them feel inadequate, um, that it's somehow they're not loving enough if they have if they need help from somebody else. As if, as if, uh, you know, most of us don't need help in most areas of our lives. I mean, whether we're doing our taxes or we're, uh, picking up a heavy shopping bag at the supermarket, often, often we need help and we don't think twice about it. With caregiving, somehow we're much more resistant to it. It seems like it, it it's like a, a, a bad mark against us if we need help. Uh, you know, I was thinking of a family that I worked with where the husband had dementia um, and they lived uh, in Florida close to the water and the husband was very destructive. She bought new groceries. He opened all the cans. He took all their clothes. He threw them in the water uh, behind the house. I mean, just really, really disruptive. And she didn't want anybody else to take care of him, didn't want any help. And after months, we finally said, let's just try a weekend in a facility just to see, you know, get a weekend off. So he went into a small um, assisted living facility. Well, he'd been in the Navy and he thought that he was back in the Navy. So she came to see him and he said, well, I've been deployed. I'm going to have to stay here with the men. And he loved it. He was 180 degrees, happy as a clam, wearing his big old Navy belt buckle everywhere he went. And he had purpose again. And so it really, and she couldn't believe it. What a yeah, great story. Yeah, really great story on so many levels. I mean, they basically, he found new purpose and she got some respite and he was happier and probably she was happier. And, uh, and, you know, he sounded like he, he wanted to have more structure. He didn't, he, he didn't want to have uh, run amok at home. He wanted to be in a place where he, 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 you know, he had to follow rules and maybe enforce rules with other people. Yeah. The only problem they had was when someone stole the belt buckle and then he got in a fight. Oh, I, I can imagine that's, that's a shame. <laughs> 
as you take a look at caregivers and caregiving, Barry, we had talked a, a week ago with Dr. Jamie Heisman about the sudden impact of becoming a caregiver. And for many, that happens to be the case. Uh, is there a way to prevent burnout from occurring, taking steps that you should take uh, to prepare yourself? Well, I, I mean, I would basically say one one big piece of this is is when people have some sort of physical wellness plan and emotional wellness plan. And that means uh, eating well, sleeping well, uh, getting exercise and um, and maintaining their social ties. Those are all just basic uh, ingredients for a healthier life. I, I will also say that um, one of the things that uh, happens with caregivers and with other uh, other types of work in life is we tend to gravitate towards uh, towards routines because routines help us be more efficient. But routines also um, kind of disconnect us from the work that we're doing, the, the sacredness of the work that we're doing. We're, what we're doing as a, as a caregiver is, is, is being is loving or the person we we, we care about and, and trying to help them live well. But if we're so focused on just getting through the day, doing the tasks that need to be done, checking the boxes, then we we lose that connection with that person. And I think when we've lost that connection, we're much more predisposed to burning out. Then it's just a, a, a job. Then we're just clocking in every day as opposed to main, you know, really maintaining um, awareness of who that person is, how they're reacting, and, and really trying to cherish the time with them, knowing that we're not going to have them forever. Now, I know you've got a book coming out soon on love and living and meaning at age 50. Uh, is that some of what you're talking about? Put the spark back into your caregiving? Um, that, that book came out in 2020 and it was, uh, about marriage after, after, uh, after 50, but it, it was certainly about, uh, how do you intentionally, uh, adapt to the changes as we get older and, um, make sure that, uh, that marriage is not another routine that we're just, just a habit that we're going, you know, going through the motions with, but that we really enliven it with new experiences, with new perspectives, with, with new thoughtfulness. Well, what would you say to a caregiver who said, oh, that's pie in the sky? You know, that's impossible. I don't have time for myself. There isn't anything I can do. Um, I, I mean, I only hear that, uh, you know, half a dozen times a week. So uh, <laughs> so let me see if I can come up with a good answer. I would say, you know, you know your life and, and I want to be respectful that you you know the, the best things for yourself. But as with that, that story uh, with the, uh, the Dable officer's wife that you just told Carol, I would say, as an experiment, why don't we just try one thing different? Um, maybe one day we'll try the adult day program or one day we'll bring home health aid and we'll have your, your sister come or your, your, your uh, adult daughter come and, and, and sit, uh, with, with your husband. Let, let's just see how that goes just as an experiment and then you come back and report on it. And sometimes, um, if people can kind of break out of the rigid routine, even with one small change, then they're much more uh, able to consider other changes. It's like, uh, you know, in salesmanship, the old foot in the door uh, maneuver. Where you, if, you, if you get the person to listen to one small thing that you say, then you get them to listen to your whole sales pitch. But I, I think we want to we start with small changes. And then oftentimes people, caregivers realize that there, there's something to be said for, for even adopting small changes. And then they see that they feel better. Years ago in college, I sold men's suits in a department store, and we knew that if you could get a guy to wear a suit, you could sell underpants, socks, shirts, belt, necktie, the whole ball of wax. Uh, Ron, that sounds like a perfect analogy for what we're talking about today. Um, 
I mean, I think the idea here, I, I, I guess the only difference is I, I wouldn't start with a suit. I would start with the socks, probably with a caregiver. I would start with something small, even just a, you know, accepting a, a, a donation of, of, of dinner from the church, you know, that someone brings a casserole by. If they could accept that, then we'll work up to the suit, but uh, we'll eventually we we'll get them a full, full new wardrobe. Uh, and, uh, because a little, with, with each accessory, they're going to want something else. And we know that. Too many caregivers predecease their care recipient. Is that part of this? That burnout can lead to death. I, I mean, I, I I would basically say that burnout can can lead to uh, just decreased will to live and, and decreased self care. Uh, people just um, they they kind of just lapse into depression and they uh, once depressed and they have uh, much more prone to all sorts of health issues. Well, what about as caregiving finishes? Because a lot of times we don't talk about we've we burnt ourselves out in a very intense caregiving situation. And and let's say that the person passes that. What do we do then? We Here we are, this shell of the person that we were before. How do we recover from this exhaustion and this burnout? Uh, I think we take a lot of time. I, I think we, uh, what I say to caregivers in that situation and when i work with them in psychotherapy uh, i often work with them for years both the, during the times that they were caregivers and then usually for at least a year after they uh, their 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 loved one has died and i i basically said this this is you know you're now entering a new phase of your life this is this adaptation is going to take one to two years for you to really make it's going to be a lot of grief but this is going to also be a lot of of re, self-reinvention that you really have to figure out who you are and maybe most importantly what's what's meaningful to you again and it's not a matter of just going back to picking up your old life the way it was before caregiving because almost no caregiver does that it just it, sometimes the opportunities to do that aren't there but also it, the, the things that may have been important to them years ago are no longer important so now what's important and how do they continue to make a difference in this world as a caregiver sometimes you know we, we forget how privileged we are to get up and and really make a significant difference to somebody who, who we care about and that's work that one day we'll look back on us and pat ourselves on the back and say that was extraordinary that i did that sometimes i can't believe how much i did but now now how do we find um uh, certainly we want to relax maybe a little bit and maybe we, we don't want to work at quite the same pace but we still want to do things that are meaningful to us that still take what we learn through caregiving and apply it in new ways in the world is that a time perhaps to seek a therapist I, I mean, I uh, I have a, an old friend. He used to say everyone should be assigned a therapist at birth. You know, so I, I, my answer to that question, Ron, is you can have a therapist anytime, maybe all the time. Even. But what I would say, certainly, when I, I think for many folks, um, having someone to talk with to kind of talk through these life changes um, at, at the time that uh, the person they've been caring for dies, I, I think it'd be very helpful just to get a different perspective, just to consider different options, and and to really develop a sense of hope that the future. You know, they, while they feel very grie- bereaved and, and grieved, then, then it, it's not—it's they're not without hope that they still believe that that their lives go on and maybe go on in in, in uh, happier ways in some some respects. You know, when I'm listening to you, I'm hearing words that I think a lot of us uh, along the caregiving journey forget about meaning and hope and color, um, and we kind of kid ourselves and think that we're not. We don't deserve that, or there's no time for that. 
I mean, what I, the way I think about this, Carol, is that what caregivers do uh, every day is some of the most meaningful work they've ever done in their lives for the most part. I mean, we are getting up and, you know, it may feel like we're, we're just getting someone we care about up out of bed and dress, but that's not just what we're doing. We're, we're really showing someone we care for who's given a lot to us in our lives. We're giving something back to them, which is, it's very important to them. They want to be dressed. They want to have the dignity of being dressed and maybe dressed nicely. And we're providing that for them. That's, that's extremely meaningful. And we should never lose sight of that. That's the sense of mission that kind of the, the, the fire that burns in the belly of caregivers. We don't want to lose because of caregiver burnout. What I also hear, Carol, is what you've written about. And that's, I keep a list of what you're grateful for. I, I find that very helpful. A little gratitude. You know, I start my morning out every day thinking about what am I grateful for? Uh, there's a lot of research to suggest that doing that, you know, sometimes people keep gratitude journals that it really makes a big difference uh, in terms of our own mood. I mean, that's, that's looking at the world, open eyes, looking for the positive things, looking for the things that we're learning from, looking for the ways where we have the opportunity to make a difference and, and having that, that attitude of, of, of gratitude, I think it makes life richer and cared when people lose that, that sense, then again, they're, they're more prone to burning out. So, Barry, in the last minute, what would you say to that caregiver who, who really is feeling burned out? First steps they should take. I would say that um, the, if, 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 first of all, they should pat themselves in the back for the work that they're doing already. And and if if they're burning out, they shouldn't beat themselves up then for burning out. That somehow they, it means that they're they're not good enough. And then I would say that the, the opportunity then is for them to rethink how they they do this. They're going to still achieve the same goal. Of, of caring for their loved one well, but we're going to recreate the caregiving plan so that they're doing it in a different way, one which kind of breathes new life into, into them and into, into the caregiving. Barry Jacobs, thank you. For Carol Zerniel and for Dr. Barry Jacobs, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.